Everybody, are we recording? We're good. We live. Hot mic. Hot mic. Oh man, I for, yeah, the that's badass intro music. That was not my requested Zeppelin, but what are you gonna do? Well, you could use some of your. I'll sing. Can I sing our intro song? Over the money, we'll we'll get it for. I know because there's like what is that called? Royalties. I don't know. I'd be curious. We got to talk about that. We should talk about it. It'd be awesome. Or I can, I will sing an original lullaby for everyone. I've heard you karaoke before. (laughs) So fun fact, you heard me karaoke. I just don't remember doing it, Mm -hmm. but I know that you, that is real. That is that, that happened. Amazing. Yep. Hello everybody. And welcome to this remarkable intro for the latest episode of the Associated Firefighters of Illinois podcast recorded as always in the best city of the world, Chicago, Illinois at fire and iron media home of Chicago's Bravest Stories podcast, which you should also go check out immediately after you check out ours. So with that being said, uh, it, we it has been a while because we had, uh, I would say that the AFFI, and I'll, I'll let my co-host here um, get into it, but they had quite the 2023, if you will. Uh, so can you guys just uh, introduce yourselves um, for the record again? Uh, yeah, Chuck Sullivan here, and uh, my good friend, Vice President, Timmy. Luke, Timmy, <laughs> Howison, straight out of DeKalb. You know what, I had to, I had to change my uh, Instagram name. I had it as Luke Howison. My son is in high school now, mm. and the girlies were uh, mm. trying to friend me. Mm. <laughs> and that, I figured that could be bad. So why did you change it? Well, I didn't want to go to jail, <laughs> right? For starters, so I had to put yeah. I put Luke Timmy Allison on there, right? To know, I, uh, yeah, you're the old guy that no one cares about. Yes, yes. you want to. What you should have done is done a link to your son. Like if you're if you want the virile, young, handsome, future, successful man, <laughs> click on this link right here. I'm the old, broken down guy that's yelling at the lawnmower. <laughs> that's so, so he actually he actually asked me yesterday why I changed my name. Yeah, and, because of you, son. And why I wanted to front him. Right. And I'm like, well, I need to watch what you're doing. <laughs> and two, I don't want to go to jail. Uh, this, this is a good start. So for all of you out there. That's correct. When, you're, when your sons or daughters get older, just be careful just with be, your social media right? platforms. It's like, you remember, remember Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield, one of my favorite movies of all time? I didn't see anything. You're perfect. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, uh, this podcast has started off exactly like how we thought it would. So that's good. Um, I wanted to bring up something just so that everybody in our in our world knows. Um, the Associated Firefighters of Illinois podcast got screwed, uh, and now in perpetuity. And we just want to bring it to everybody's attention. Chuck, would you be able to enlighten the AFFI world regarding what happened with the media awards now that uh, we came in second place twice? Well, I think um, the IFF realized that we were the best. and Easily. Therefore, um, in 2023, there is no, there's still media awards, but podcast is not one of the categories. It's not a category. No. They, they, we're so afraid they so California won multiple times. Correct. We came in second, and then they eliminated the entire category. There's no longer a <laughs> podcast no IFF media. They, it's, it's awesome. They couldn't bring themselves to give us first place. They could not bring themselves to give us first place. And then we also we were the impetus. There's a nickel word for you for other states oh, starting yeah. their own podcast. There's a bunch of them now. So what what are the one you mentioned this at the district meetings? What is the deal? Oh, with that? so Indiana, Michigan. I'm not even sure. I, I know there was one more. There's the, Indiana, Michigan. Our, and there was one more. Our neighbors, and here's the better part. I've been trying to get line up where we could get uh, you know President Kelly or Secretary Treasurer Lima on the podcast. Right. Well, now Indiana, like their first podcast, they have Lima on there, like initial podcast. Do you got right? Yeah, like, you so it's good. So 
Michi- just, Michigan, Michigan has had Ed Kelly. Yeah. And then just last week, uh, our district vice president, Mark Sanders, was on Indiana's. Right. Yeah. So let me try to understand. I'm going to just want to back up here. The We get second place to California twice. They eliminate the entire category. Indiana and Michigan start theirs based on ours, which is clearly superior in every way. But yet our IAFF nationwide officials appeared on Indiana and Michigan's podcast first. Is yeah. that is that where uh, we're at? Yeah, I mean it's partially our fault too because we didn't we didn't meet try to line up to get them here. But at the end of the day, this is fun to talk about and talk shit about people that aren't even <laughs> listening to our podcast. Because <laughs> here here's the best part: Indiana and Michigan have no idea. We're talking shit about them right now. They don't care, right? They're just even, like, even, okay. even California has no idea. I mean, they probably have no idea we got second place multiple times. We were such a speck on California's radar that I tried picking Facebook fights with them. Like, mm-hmm. I would, like, tag, because I learned, like, Loretto told me how to, like, tag people. And, and they just would, like, they're like, who? What? Like, yeah. they never even responded. Yeah, they don't care. They don't care. So the point I is. Bet, I bet, though, screwed. that Matt Sarr from Michigan and. Tony Murray from Indiana will be calling the next week. Well, I hope they do. I hope they do. And I, I, you know, I I'm do. happy they've started a podcast. Are you guys serious? I'm happy serious? that we're the trendsetters that started the 8th District wave of getting information out in this incredible medium. So yeah. that's fine. No, it's it's great. You yeah. know, they reach out to their members now. I think it's a positive. It is. It actually is. All kidding aside, it's very cool. And we were... It's fun to make fun of people because that's what firemen do. Mm-hmm. But we, it was hell of a 2023. So to that point, do we know what episode this is? This was season three episode. No. Now that we've taken such a long break, oh, I have no idea. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out. Here. Season three episode. Blah. Season three. Episode, episode five. Season three episode five. Okay. All right. Very good. There is. So there were four. No, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, you whoa, blew it. Whoa, I did. You blew it. Season three, episode seven. Episode seven. Okay. All right. You I, I do that because <laughs> Chuck hates that I don't have it right either. Remember when I was just making up random numbers? And like Chuck was like, we can't do that. Like, we're on episode 246.4 of the AFI podcast. Mm. Well, let's uh, deal with episode seven. and um, It's a potpourri. It's a potpourri, as we've stated because there's a lot to report smorgasbord a smorgasbord buffet a polish buffet let's get right into the sauerkraut and cabbage Mm. and what do you guys want to uh talk about first what's the first item of discussion yeah i'll hit i'll hit just to go over like the fall and so we last recorded an episode like late summer uh and and we we've been trying to get in the studio to record an episode and and partially it's because We've been producing for our members and had a lot of stuff going on. Absolutely. So, um, so just in the past fall here, late September, we held our new member conference, our new officer training uh, jointly in Springfield. We had over 300 members there. It was an awesome turnout. Uh, great reviews on the conference and such. So that was the first thing that tipped us off in the, in, in the fall there. Uh, and Chuck probably has a few more things, obviously, that are intermixed in there. And then we also held our pension conference uh, mid-October in Lyle great turnout for that that's remained a hybrid uh educational conference there was a lot because i know you had a lot in person but you you didn't have the final numbers online as well yeah so we were like uh about 250 between both in person online that's a decent number and and for our members listening and our pension board members that still need to get their training education in for the year that was recorded we have that uploaded to a learning management system and they should be able to register for that here coming up pretty soon Good. So that, that information will come out on uh, through an email to our, our uh, locals and the pension boards. So if people have missed their opportunity to get their eight. Continue, eight hours. Yep, eight they can hours. curl up in front of the fireplace with a beautiful bottle of Bordeaux and their PJs, and they can listen to the romantic sounds of pension conference training. Yes. That's the, awesome. The, the, they'll enjoy that. That's awesome. So that's still out there. Um, and then our members recently traveled to Minneapolis for the 8th dif- District Conference. Uh, traditionally was PEP, but it was more of a conference on what the IFF offers and what yeah. they can access. They, cha- they, they changed the format a little bit this yeah. year? Yeah, just okay. I think they wanted to make sure the leadership and the members knew what they could access for 
uh, resources through the IFF and, and what's going on the IFF level. So I know that, that at both the new member conference and at the 8th district conference, some of my youngsters learned and also had a good time along the way. Yes. Yeah, it was good. Y- yes. They, uh, Lorraine. Malort. Lorraine. Yes. Malort is always a good uh, yes. thing to have at the... <laughs> it makes everything better. <laughs> at the mist. Yes. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, just that stuff alone... Uh, you know, made for a, a, a good fall. And uh, th- there's a few other things I think Chuck can, can hit on that we had to travel to as well. Uh, different offense. <laughs> this is Diet Coke. Oh, it's just Diet Coke. It's a little early in the day for that. Is it though? Diet Coke. So, um, yeah, so we had all that, uh, those events going on in the, in the fall there. District meetings. In the district meetings as well, traveled the state with those. We had our board meeting mid-October. Um, so, you know, just multitude Stuff. things coming on. And, and, and The district meetings were really well attended. I mean, District 4 is the one in Plainfield with that entire training complex facility that they have out there. There was a lot of people at that meeting, man. That was, that was remarkable. Yeah. That was a big one. Yeah. So... Yeah, so we just had a lot of stuff going on, and, and it's good. You know, it's good for our members and, and good to really, especially over the past, you know, obviously a few years not being able to get together uh, in person. It's it's back to normal for sure. Yeah. So, Are you going to keep, by the way, the punching conference it, uh, hybrid, in-person and hybrid, or what are you guys going to do? Or yeah. is that too early to so that, Well, that's a good question, actually. Uh, we've been debating that. Uh, okay. We'd like feedback on that, I guess. Uh, they can reach out to me. Uh We've been debating that heavily mm-hmm. on yeah. what route to go because there's obviously, pros and cons. Yeah, there's right. people that still want to get there in person, and it's it's nice when you're uh, running the conference to have people there. Um, but then the online portion is heavily attended. Yes, uh, and we we've talked about just going all online, you know, and that's that's mm-hmm. a possibility as well. And the fall is busy, and as I've said repeatedly, it takes a a, a lot of effort. To, to put on a conference, all the behind-the-scenes stuff, our staff, uh, you know, getting speakers yeah. to the location, um, just a number of different factors to, to weigh as we move forward. Yeah. But you guys, had, I mean, people were in person. I mean, yeah, because there are always those people that are like, I want to go. Yeah. Either. Well, and I think the tough part, too, is, that, you know, this year, we, we alternate it north and south each year. Yeah. Uh, so last year was in Springfield, this year being in Lyle. Well, when you're in the suburbs, a lot of the – people attending just go home in the evening. Right. So we traditionally hold a reception, which, you know, there was, you know, a little lower turnout. So uh, a lot of us went to the squirrel cage. Uh, I mean, why wouldn't you? It was a place called the squirrel cage. It was an interesting venue. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's called the squirrel cage. So there's a shout out for the squirrel cage in Lyle, Illinois. It's not the mist though. You're not getting kidnapped by space aliens in that place. Uh, So maybe you are. uh, Squirrels. Squirrel case. Squirrels that, will get after you. Is it cash only? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Cash only. I love cash only bars. By Dive definition, bar. cash bar only bars sure. are amazing. Yeah. It's true. Hams, beer signs, and PBR signs. Yeah, it's, it's exactly the place you want to have a reception at. You don't yes. want to be too like. Let's be honest here. There's fifteen thousand yahoos in this state. Just cash beer with a you know, cash 16, bar with old, sixteen thousand with old style. We do have to mm-hmm. correct that number. Yes. 16,000. That's another thing that we, this fall, we worked on mm. to confirm our membership number. What are we, 16,269, roughly? Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. Yeah. So we've been saying 15,000 for yeah, quite a while. Is. And uh, 16,269. Due to some research that we had to do, we, uh, on a napkin, I believe. Mm-hmm. In, right. And through the office, like Kurt was real time emailing Sue. Yeah. And then you work with local two as well to confirm their membership numbers. But yeah, we are over 16,000. Man, that's impressive. And growing. We, we continue mm-hmm. to add locals and there's some more on the radar too. Yeah. Well, you guys sure. want to talk about that? Is there a few locals that were added this year? Yeah. So, uh, just recently we've, uh, brought on Hinsdale and new Milford and Blackhawk also, um, we also have multiple sitting out there. They're kind of waiting for the guys to get off probation. Uh, you know, in previous podcasts, we've talked about the hiring issues and, and things of that nature. Well, y- y- the volunteer fire service and the part-time departments are struggling. Right. So a lot of places have actually gone full-time 
and we've been adding that. And then we've added the battalion chiefs as well. Um, what are we at, like 26 uh, ballparking it uh, now that have battalion chiefs in their locals. So that's just been another number that's been adding to our our, yeah. our numbers. And that, and that drove, uh, drove our conversation to, like, Kate, okay, where are we at exactly and dial in on the number. At, you're right. It was about 25 or 26 departments where shift commanders, battalions, whatever you want to call them, captains were added. And then we do have a few more pending. I know Margaret went to hearing on one or two. I just filed cards for the for local two actually for deputy, deputy district chiefs deputy. and the uh, paramedic field chiefs. So we're waiting to see what the city's going to do with that. Uh, I'll handle that one for them. And uh, it's been uh, it's that's been um, remarkable over the past year of getting individuals into the bargaining unit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've we've done more well, and then uh, we've had multiple conversations with. There's I want to say probably four more kind of sitting out there. We're just kind of waiting for them to, to form up and then, uh, you know, uh, follow through. I, I would say that on the battalions, I just, you know, generally call it the battalions. Would you guys agree? It's kind of gone the way we anticipated, right? So bill passes, everyone's like, okay, what's the deal here? Um, I, I think to, to our credit, I think that, you know, we were able to talk to some individuals on the employer side and say, you know, look, these these individuals don't definitely are not supervised with the meaning of the statute here. What are we doing? So you saw a lot of them really come in where the employer was like, yeah, what do you, I mean, we can't stop this. A couple have now gone. I think you're going to get some favorable rulings that were, you know, and then I think after that you're going to start seeing, you know, more and more and more. We, I think you guys had known it you know, about like a two to four year process until this gets like normalized where they're coming in. Would you say? Yeah. I can't even remember. I know that we met in your office in like December of 21 to talk about strategy. Yeah. Um, like the whole then, PowerPoint yeah, thing. Yeah. The bill didn't go into effect until June or July one of 2022. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, there were, there were some, locals that were just going to be automatic, you know, the, the low hang, hanging fruit, if you will. We were one. Yeah. And, I remember, uh, like right, we were early. coming in sure, and, yeah. sure. and the fire districts more so than the municipalities. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's been super successful. The fact that we had, um, uh, historical locals that already had battalion chiefs or shift commanders in the bargaining union, i.e. Springfield, Chicago. Yes. Um, a number of them, Belleville, uh, made it a little bit easier, but again, we had to change state statute to, to provide that avenue. Yeah. Right. So. Well, that was a good thing. The last 18 months have been, uh, I think gone along swimmingly for that. So yeah. I think your point, Jerry, too, once the couple of these hearings go through, cause that's the other thing we've been kind of waiting for. Uh, some of the locals would, would file the, you know, and the employers would file to, to challenge that petition, but then they backed off. So I don't think my best guess was I don't think there was an employer out there that really kind of wanted to be the first. So they were looking at it saying, okay, look, re so you would have employers file objections just to protect their position. And I, you know, of course, uh, and then you would see them, you know, look at this and say, you know, do we want to be going to the labor board with this? And they would, they would, you know, the, they back down and that would be the end of it. So, um, but yeah, I think getting a, a ruling or two is going to then, I think, accelerate the process even further for the guys who should be in the, in the unit. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you know, you yeah. mentioned like with the historical ones, Chuck, like you, you look at it and most of the battalion chiefs weren't not doing supervisor work. I mean, it was not pretty, pretty in clear the clear day, not in the, not in the slightest. Yeah. And the other issue though, too, is, is that that's just, that was just a, it's a hard spot to be in. Right. I mean, I think what you saw over and over and over again is these kind of like middle management ranks really, really getting squeezed and really I, a vast majority of the employers were treating their people quite well. There were some employers out there that were just squeezing these guys where you're like, you know, unless you're, you know, 29 and a half years on and wanted the position, who wanted this spot? You know, so there's a reason why that a, a lot of people sign cards to be treated fairly and want a seat at the table. And that's a good thing. It's what we do. Right. So well, that's yeah, for sure. And that was a, it was brought to us based on that. You know, there's a lot of these guys sitting there in the middle mm -hmm. and not being treated fairly. And Correct. Wanted Rolly Meadows, I think was the, yeah. 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 So the impetus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's just, uh, you know, a point and. I'm glad we were able to pass the legislation and make it 
you know, fair and equitable for yeah. other other members to join us. So that was good for this year. Um, so we covered what we had the district meetings, which were really good. Um, and, and you know, look, if you're listening to this to the to the podcast, and you're either a executive board member who's kind of busy, or <clears throat> if you're one one of the younger guys that wants to get involved, I know that using our locals as an example, we we send a lot of people, like younger kids, like you got like 18 months on, you want to see what we do? Come on, the district meetings are are really great because it's just a lot of incredible information and speakers. And I think that's that's something because you guys do it a few times a year, right? And I think it's just a it's a great opportunity for people to see kind of how the sausage is made on a district level or a department level. And you'll actually see people like, you know, trading idea or like talking, you know, swapping stories back and forth at the tables and stuff. And it's just if you're if you're looking for a way to get involved, asking your executive board to send you to a district meeting, I think you could do, have worse ideas out there, I would say. Mm -hmm. So that yeah, was really good. <clears throat> So our, our bylaws require each district to, to host a minimum of two meetings a year. So um, there's obviously ample opportunity. Um, one of those meetings, typically in the north, because it's so large, uh, District 1, 4, and 5, they try to combine one of those meetings. So there's, I don't know, 300 plus yeah. members at one of those meetings. But you're absolutely right. Um, and then speaking of our district meetings, for those that weren't there, um, I can kind of recap just uh, – a little bit of that, uh, just speaking, obviously, as uh, in my position that has the 30,000-foot view, I just want to remind um, our 16,000 members that your state association continues to to operate a, at a super high level. And again, from my standpoint, I get to see um, all of that. And quite frankly, um, our members, <clears throat> I don't want to say that they're spoiled by any means, but uh, Luke and I and Kurt had an opportunity, or we do have an opportunity to go to state provincial meetings um, twice a year where, you know, we go around the room and listen to the president from Rhode Island or New Mexico or from the the 10 provinces of Canada. Um, you're very fortunate to be a firefighter paramedic in Illinois, be you know, because of the, the number of labor uh, friendly statutes that we have. Um, and again, our members, you know, have come to expect the high level of service that they get from the AFFI. Uh, in October 22nd, to be exact, the AFFI turned 88 years old. And um, coincidentally, that's Kurt Snow's birthday as well. It makes sense. He probably ate somebody. <laughs> in celebration. Yeah. Yeah. He was so. he was staring at a poster of on a wall of you and then eating somebody <laughs> right. at the same right. time. Right. So exactly. So 88 years seems like a long time. It's um, you know, in honestly it's not. Uh for those that have read the Fiery Struggle book or received a, a labor history presentation from our AFI Labor History Committee, you know all of the things that have been accomplished since um, 1935, but as I have said at the district meetings, because we are government, i.e. government employees, we have to continue to, you know, strive to keep our benefits and, and then obviously try to enhance those as well. So um, anytime that uh, any member has an opportunity to engage in the political process, um, please do. We have a, a fantastic public or a political education committee that uh, goes above and beyond. They just finished getting signatures um, for the General Assembly members or those that are seeking office in, in the General Assembly. Um, Luke just mentioned that we organized our 228th local in uh, in Hinsdale. And I know uh, Scott, or actually Luke and Scott Cavanaugh, who I don't know if we've talked on a podcast about Scott yet. No, I think we were kind of before that uh, caught. Yeah. yeah. So Scott um, was successful in his run uh, when Matt Olson uh, retired, who is now a Teamster driving a bus in Disney. Disney, Disney World. Disney World. I think um, Disney World's the Florida one. Okay. I pray that I get on the bus <laughs> to Epcot one day and he is there. It is just right. going to be a magic moment in my life. But uh, Scott Cavanaugh, Cav, as he's referred to, he's is adorable. the District 4 uh, vice president. He is the, I don't know if he's still the current president at Downers Grove. I know he's not seeking re-election. Yeah, as the moment he is. I think he just he's, still fill, the, he's filling out the term there. Still the president. So um, 
essentially like we're it's just nonstop. Uh, it feels like twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, three hundred sixty five days a year is not a cliche at the AFFI, and we want our members to know that you know obviously we know that regardless of the hour of the day or what your request is, we'll we'll be there to uh, to assist you. So. I just kind of wanted to transition real quickly, not to be somber or a Debbie Downer by any means, but um, I also said at the district meeting that since 20, January of 2020, when I took this position, and this, these are real-time numbers as of today, we have had 13 line-of-duty deaths in Illinois, 13. In addition to those 13 line-of-duty deaths, there's been 12 separate um, notifications where 12 active members have passed away. And of those 12, so we have 13 line of duty, 12 active members that died um, not in the line of duty. And of those 12, seven um, took their own life. So I guess, you know, Luke, um, Luke and I talk essentially every day, and I know we're going to try to get the resiliency committee on the podcast at some point um, in the future. But I'm not going to belabor the issue by any means, but if you need help or you know a member that needs help, um, just in the last five years, the last decade, the number of resources, the the amount of knowledge that we now have uh, on behavioral health um, is phenomenal. So there's there's people out there to to help you for sure. So I don't know if you guys wanted to elaborate on any of that. No, I mean, I think if you've ever gone to a line of duty death, it's just beautiful, uh, a funeral. It is sure. beautiful and horrible all at the same time. Um, and I think what's sad about your numbers is that does not include um, the guys that every year are going out on cancer disabilities, you know, ALS disability, you know, et cetera. And there's sure. There is nothing worse than, you know, going to a pension board disability hearing and a guy walks in with a debilitating disease and you, I I guess I don't know how to put it other bluntly than this, but everybody in the room knows this is a dead man walking. It's just a matter of time, right? So um, the numbers of what we face in terms of, 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 line of duty deaths, cancer, medical issues is, is actually overwhelming when you think about the, the numbers. For so, sure. And local two got hurt. Um, they got hit really, really hard this year. I Those, don't know what the average is in local two yeah, so they annually. Had four, four, four line of duty deaths this year. That's and remarkable. I, I think I was told 1998 might have been the last year that they had more or around that number. Yeah, it is absolutely does. remarkable. This last one, this, this kid, with, you know, he was, I say kid, right? He was 39 and, and, uh, and married, and, and, and uh, his number was up that day, and it's just uh, an, an awful, awful thing. Um, but to your point uh, that you were talking about earlier is, um, you know, that's why you fight so hard to have the protections and the benefits that you have because it's, it's kind of hard to explain. I try to tell this to some of the younger guys. It's like... Some, I don't want to say we take it for for granted every shift, but you know, you come in, we're all firemen, you know, all firemen in the room. You're joking around, you're messing around with each other, and you know, what do you need to do for lunch? And here's the training for the day, and you know, whatever. And you sometimes even I, you can lose sight that you know, five minutes from now, you can have a crew of guys on a building cutting a hole in a roof. Like five minutes from now, right? Like you just never know. So. A lot of times the, the, the benefits and protections that we fight for kind of seem automatic or basic, uh, but then you, you realize that you know, they're there for a reason because five minutes from now you could potentially be going from making fun of each other at the table in the morning to on the roof of a building, right? So um, it makes life a lot better for our, us and the families that you see at these events when you have these protections in place. I, that's, that would be my soapbox speech on that. Absolutely. I just curious, Jerry. Are you a closet truck company guy? Because <laughs> every time you bring up an analogy of guys doing some firefighting, it's always on a roof. On a, I really enjoyed. Have my you been time. on more roofs than Santa Claus? I have spent my time on some roofs. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was a lot of fun. So no hose dragging for you. More, I did. More roof, I did. I, I did. I did both. Um, probably equally throughout my career. Um, but I liked being on a. I found it to be oddly comfortable. I I liked being up there and on that. It was it was kind of cool. Who yeah. has cut more holes in roofs, you or Loretta? Um, 
Loretto, here's what happens. If we actually need a hole in something, we just send Loretto and he shouts at it. And the power of his annoying, nasally, awful voice just pierces through the building construction like a Marvel anti-hero and just creates the hole for us. So fair enough. Just his annoyingness alone has put out fires, I would say. That's legit. I, I just had to take us a different direction from the somber <laughs> right. thing. And, but now I, I'm in the, have you ever seen the Hannibal Burris comp fire SUV bit? Have you, oh, do yeah. you know what I'm talking oh, yeah. about? Yes, yes. Like now I'm the fire SUV guy, like go in there, mm -hmm. do that, you know, bring that hose over there. So it, that, that era for me is over now. So whatever. You uh, just, you just send guys a little rough and right. even if they don't need sun. to be like, Hey, just go I just want to see just it. Just hang out up there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I kind of sit in the SUV and have a hot dog and <laughs> call it a day. So one more topic. I, I know that uh, Luke kind of mentioned it earlier, and we probably have talked about this, and we've all talked about this for the last year and a half, but um, the recruiting and retention problem in uh, the world of firefighting and in paramedicine, um, again, not just in Illinois, it's nationwide. Um, we in the AFFI, as I've said 1,000 times, the AFFI, your local, has nothing to do with hiring, zero. Um, we did uh, kind of revamp the statutes uh, on how you're hired back in 2010, and then we added an apprenticeship program that uh, allowed our fire departments to uh, – to create one, and then it's very specific on, on how that's developed. But about two years ago, we at the AFFI thought it would be beneficial to create a task force within the General Assembly so there was some accountability and um, kind of guide us through the General Assembly on how to better recruit and retain um, our membership. Uh, it's, you know, it's not lost on us at the AFFI that, um, you know, we have to continue to understand our members, our generational differences. Um, you know, 25 years ago, if there was a 24-hour overtime slot, everybody would fight over it. Um, today, no one wants to take it. They're either forced back. Um, the generation, uh, this is not good or bad, I'm just saying that the generation now prefers, they, they like their time off, um, as opposed to, you know, the Vietnam veteran, that had been on 20 years and wanted that, you know, extra 800 bucks or whatever. Yes. Uh, again, that, those are just times, changes, um, the benefits that we've, you know, been able to Yeah, I think that's part of it access, too. Yeah. Um, that we're, we're in a fortunate position that we, you know, have the ability to collectively bargain a contract and make the salary that we make, have the health insurance benefits that we have, have retirement security, um, but back to the recruiting and retention, we have created a task force. We've met once. It consists of uh, a number of different stakeholders, uh, the AFFI, the fire chiefs, the fire districts, the Illinois Municipal League, uh, IDPH, the fire marshal's office, IFSI, probably missing a couple of them. But the first meeting was more just uh, speaking in generalities. We're meeting again December 5th. And really the goal of that task force is to get all the stakeholders to agree on a couple of pieces of legislation that we could quickly move through the General Assembly. And just some random ideas. Again, none of this is in concrete. Talking about state funding for local governments, um, much like maybe a state-level safer grant. Um, expanding the apprenticeship program. Uh, we've got IDPH involved now and trying to perhaps um, create more seats with the community colleges, um, creating yeah. more opportunities to, to go to, to paramedicine, uh, talking about MAP grants uh, for individuals. So again, those are just a few things. Some local governments have talked about lowering the age from 21 to 18. Um, I don't know where the AFI stands on that right now. Are I you do, then a guaranteed do, deferred pensioner yeah, then? Or how does that we work? Were, obviously, we would not be in favor of that. If an 18-year-old starts and they complete 30 years, they're at 48. Um, they should begin to, to collect their pension. So there's a number of different things that we're talking about there. But speaking of pensions, um, it's been the AFI's goal since 
January 1 of 2011 to improve our Tier 2 members' benefits. And um, just as a reminder, regardless of your status in whatever job you're in, every single Tier 2 employee, whether you're the street sweeper in um, Algonquin, you're the secretary in Carbondale, uh, you work for IDOT, you're a school teacher, the only Tier 2 employees that have received a benefit increase uh, since 2011 are fire and police. And that occurred in 2019 when we consolidated the pensions. Right. And um, as I said at the beginning, because we're government employees, um, we have to continue to, you know, keep the our, our foot on the, on the gas. And that is our number one priority. We've been talking extensively with the Illinois Municipal League. Um, we've had a number of hearings throughout the summer at the Belandic building in downtown Chicago. So um, just know that we, we are pressing the issue. Uh, I'm not going to say, you know, in the next six months, Tier 2 is going to look like Tier 1 because Tier 1 didn't become that overnight uh, uh, either. So uh, I just want our Tier 2 members to know that about 50% of our membership now is, is in fact, Tier 2. Um, that's, that's our lead uh, that's our number one agenda. I have so. a quick question on that. Um, there was a bill. I'm getting asked on my pension mm-hmm. board end of my practice. Um, there it was a bill that was introduced that would wholly eliminate tier two and put everybody back into tier one. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the odds? Do you think of? Yeah, that bill? I, I did mention that at the uh, the district, fall district meeting, meetings, yeah. and um, so the bill that you're referring to was introduced by uh, Justin Slaughter. Uh, a Democrat, as well as John Cabello, a Republican who is a detective in Rockford. And the bill does what you just said, eliminates tier two, everybody comes tier one, and also provides retiree health insurance. Um, don't know where that revenue source is going to come from, but it would cost about one gazillion dollars. I don't I, know I if believe that's it a was. gazillion. So um, as I said at the district meeting, rounding like, down. Yeah, we're, we're the FI is not going to bullshit you. Um, we're fully transparent. That bill, quite frankly, has no chance of passing um, as it as it's written. Right. So you know, back to my previous comments, like these are, these are going to be baby steps. We've already taken one in 2019 when we got the day one death, uh, four out of five instead of eight out of ten, and then we increased the uh, pensionable salary cap. So. Um, so you're seeing maybe a little bit more realistically, at least how I've been couching it to some of our members and different pension funds, et cetera, of a more of a, um, how do I put it? Maybe like a, a, a piecemeal approach to certain sure. elements of tier two to amend that over the next one, three, five, seven year exactly. timeline. Correct. That is yeah. correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we should mention too, local two just passed. Yes. Some yes. You want benefit improvements yes. for tier right. two as well. So they yeah. Did. So Chicago was not be obviously they have their own, their article six and separate from uh, the downstate fire pension fund. Same with Chicago police. They were not included. They were not included in the consolidation where our 297 article four funds were consolidated for investment purposes. They were not um, in that bill. I, I, there's a pension working group that the mayor has established. I, I know Pat Cleary is on, is on that. The, yes. Is on that. Yes. Um, but they were able to um, reduce their time from eight to 10, the best eight out of 10 to, to four out of five. They that, matched the downstate. Right, that yeah. was passed in veto session. So yeah. the governor's going to sign that, I think, in the next couple of weeks. So that was huge for them. And I know that took a lot of work by a lot of people in the last two or three years. Um, and I, Jim I, Tracy and Joe Sonorski were instrumental and then Quinnavalli and Pat Cleary took it over the finish line. Yeah. I, th- so. and I think they're, I think if I may, I think they're kind of in the same boat as for terms of that one to three to five, you know, trying to right. chip away at different yeah. things yeah. as well. And then speaking of pensions, Jerry, um, I know that the Supreme Court heard the uh, consolidation case. If you want to talk about that. Yeah. So, look, just for everybody uh, out there who doesn't live and breathe labor and pension, uh, just by, you know, quick background, when the uh, when the funds were consolidated for investment purposes, so it's not a state fund, it's a statewide fund, and when they were consolidated in, for investment purposes, um, those lawsuits were filed, what, about two and a half years ago at the, this point? Something like, geez. Uh, and it has now wound its way uh, through the courts. Um, 
the lawsuits, uh, just again, for everybody keeping score at home, just found for various reasons that the um, two, two provisions of the Illinois Constitution were violated. And not to belabor the point, but the circuit court and appellate court did find that consolidation uh, as written was constitutional and those transfers should be allowed to go through in the creation of this fund. On November 21st of this year was the oral argument in front of the Illinois Supreme Court who had uh, granted the petition uh, to hear the case. Uh, if anybody's interested, you can go online and listen to the audio link. Uh, it's the uh, Arlington Heights v. Pritzker case, November 21st. Um, here's what I'll say. I think I do very, very much believe that the appellate court and Supreme court justices in the state of Illinois are very high quality. These people, um, are very good at what they did. Circuit court judges are a vast majority of the appellate court and Supreme court judges are very good. Um, I, my just kind of reading the tea leaves here, the tone of the questioning, where they were going, um, my best guess is you get a ruling before the end of the first quarter next year that affirms the decision of the circuit court and appellate court, finding that the statutes that created these funds were constitutional and that I believe that this is going to be the, the, the law of the land. Um, whether or not, and you guys have always said it, look, your, your political bent here, it is what it is. I've had individuals that love the idea of consolidation I've had individuals who, you know, hate it and how dare you. I've had individuals that two and a half years in don't understand still what consolidation is, right? Um, regardless of your um, ideological you know, thoughts on whether or not the fund should be consolidated, I do believe legally, given Article 13, uh, Section 6 of the Constitution and the Takings Clause of the Constitution, that this was permissible. Um, because I think we we deal in facts, and I think that it was permissible to do so. And I think that's the ruling that you're going to get. So there you go. How's that for a summary? Right? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Like Speaking of summary, can I go back to the I, the recruiting and retention? Yes, sir. One of the things that I saw, and I just want to remind everybody that there are resources out there, but one of the things that I've seen over the last several months um, is the CPAT issue. And look, to, I think and I know that everybody in this room agrees, regardless of your race, creed, religion, sexual orientation, gender, et cetera, you belong in the fire service if you want to do it and you can do the job. And for our uh, female friends out there that want to join the fire service, and you should, you should consider it because it's an amazing career. There are resources out there regarding the CPAT and getting tested and trained up, et cetera, in order to be able to pass that. That's something that I've seen um, and I think that uh, still to this day, there's some individuals that don't realize that there are, you know, this training and resources that are specifically for um, these individuals to be able to go in and take and pass the CPAT. Uh, and that's a good thing. And you should be aware of it um, because you're seeing some good, you know, this is a test, right? And it's a snapshot. And I think you're seeing some good, you know, quality candidates out there trying to take this thing that aren't able to pass it. And I think there are resources out there to get those individuals over the finish line as well. And that's just something that I know that I've anecdotally personally seen over the last six months or so. So I don't know if you guys have seen that as well. Yeah, that's just, it's good you brought it up is we've tried to help some employers who are struggling with individuals yeah. that couldn't pass it. Correct. So we had to bring in, hey, there's these resources out there. Once you get the per personnel through that, they should be able to pass it. Yes. You know, and I think that's part of the problem because- the CPAT's like any sport, right? You you have to train specifically to do it. You can't just uh, show hey, up. I'm gonna, yeah. yeah, show up and do it, or I'm going to go to the gym and do my own workout plan. Well, that might not fit your ability to pass that test. Right, because you might be working out. That's what we saw, right? That, like yeah, you, correct. You, you might have individuals who are working out in such a way as it has no discernible effect on whether or not you can pass the CPAT. You would have had to have done X, Y, and Z, right? So, yeah. Right, yeah, so... But uh, I think we we're able to clear those things up in the in the few places we went and uh, and gave the suggestions to help uh, people get through the process. And we since then, I don't think we've heard anything about issues with mm -hmm. that. Yeah. But there, yeah. And and again, everybody's struggling to try to hire, right? And you know, employers are trying to look at different avenues to to assist them in that. And they've you know tried to look at avenues that 
we obviously didn't agree with. May or may not be contrary to statute, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's like, hey, look, A, A for effort. It is what it is. But, you know, overall, you know, you'll see individuals, you know, maybe you know, by nature, slighter a frame uh, that maybe need to train a different way and uh, and get themselves, you know, in the club, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And definitely reach out. There's there's plenty of those resources out there. Um, and uh, maybe we get some of them to sponsor our show or something. Yeah. Put them on here. Right. But, uh, but yeah, the CPAT's important. Yeah. Uh, and, and, again, that's been created to create a level playing field for everybody to – get into this profession and, and safety issue yeah. for clear members. And it's, it's pretty black and white in state statute. When we created that language in 2009, the physical agility and the CPAT itself, I think is the only physical agility test that has withstood Supreme court at, yeah. the, at the U S Supreme yes. court. Yes. Nationally so, recognized. Right. We're definitely not looking to water anything down. Um, but it's important that you have to physically be able to do the job. Right. So if you get trained to the point where you can physically be able to do the job, come on in, right? right. So my CPAT when I got hired was I was a good precinct captain award committeeman. That was my CPAT. <laughs> so well, the, yeah, it was just at different times, different mm-hmm. times. Well, and we had on a previous podcast, the Fire Service Women of Illinois group. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they put on the training. They put them. on some training for this, and they're, they're a great group to reach out to. Um, and, and, again, it's not only ladies. There's there's guys that can't pass it as well. And, yeah. Um, again, it comes down to training and prepping yourself because even, even for the written tests, there's resources out there to help you prep for the written test, uh, you know, to, uh, take those tests and what's in them. And there's, there's, uh, resources out there for that. So just, you know, make sure if you're trying to get in the profession, look those things up and, and go after them. Cool. What else is on the docket to discuss? Um, kind of speaking of, of diversity and, and females, um, the IAF, well, the FI has a human relations committee, and it's chaired by uh, Bo Cheney, who we've had on the podcast. Yeah, Rockford. Um, and Luke, do you want to talk a little bit about what he is pursuing at the IAFF level? The, uh, the, it's the elected... Elected human relations, human relations committee, committee member. Right. Yeah, so and we've talked a bunch about this lately. So he, he's running a campaign. He's out there, uh, put his name in the hat to run for it. Uh, he's done a great job on the state level for us, even within his own department in Rockford. And uh, he feels like he can take some of his talent and ideas to the international. And the International Association of Firefighters has the Human Relations Committee. They actually elect the members for that at the ALTS conference uh, coming up here in January. So that's an elected level national position mm-hmm. just by way of background. Yeah. Right? And they're very specific, like black male uh, Lesbian, female. Yeah, they uh, try to hit each Asian, each you know different yeah. class to have that Veteran. representation. Yeah. Right. And uh, so at the IFF Alt Conference, uh, January twenty fifth through twenty eighth in Orlando, that election will take place at that conference. So uh, anybody listening to this, obviously we're advocating for Bo Cheney to get on that uh, from our great state, and the election will take place at Alt. So if there's members traveling down to Alts, you to make sure you check in down there on how that process works and uh, shoot a vote his way. Right. One local, one vote. Yeah, as opposed correct. to the IFF. Yeah. And yeah. How we got second place in the media awards. So <laughs> now local, we got to get vote. this guy elected. Yeah. He was really great, man. He was super cool. Mm-hmm. And actually, I know our department, we just, again, anecdotally, we took a lot of those ideas. We were kind of kicking some things around and implemented them. And, you know, we're in the high schools now. And it's like the fire science club and they come and hang out at the firehouse and stuff. And you're kind of just recruiting from this, uh, you know, the, the single a ball at Pacific leagues to try to get them up. So it's, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Well, yeah. and that's, yeah. And again, I know, I know how people come across this podcast. They might not necessarily go back. They, this might be the first episode they listen to and then they got to mm-hmm. go back, but that episode, to all of the other episodes because yeah. they're superior. Yes. But that episode with Bo Cheney and the recruitment and retention is a very good one. I've yes. had a lot of people say, they appreciated that episode and, and were able to listen to it. So if you haven't listened to that one, you know, uh, go back to the show and, to and, the pull, archives. and pull that episode up and listen to it. Do you instantly know what season and episode that was? How do I you can, not know that I can, right now? I can look. I, I can't even tell us what episode we're on now. You <laughs> expect me to know what, right. what the No one in one the was. room believed you when it was, you said it was season three, episode seven. Mm. We were like, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. There, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in my head. <laughs> There's a lot of demons. Yes. There are a lot of demons. So actually, uh, earlier this year, the season three, episode two, uh, was uh, the Fire Service Women of Illinois. Right. Uh, So that's, we kind of talked about that episode there. 
And then um, talking with Bo Cheney is going back to season two, episode five. So this is really my, I want everyone to understand this. This is being recorded. This is live. Like we didn't hit pause. I want everybody, I want to paint a picture here. Luke just whipped his <laughs> cell phone out of his pocket and then instantly opened something and rattled that off. Like that just happened. There's no, that was live fingertips. Yeah. That was in your, right at the yeah. Tips. Cause it's not in my head. <laughs> right make that clear. at the tips. Do you think that in like Luke's head, right? What was the Adam Sandler where it's just the little guy with the symbols on the tricycle just going around in circles wearing the cowboy hat, just banging the symbols <laughs> like just around and around? Uh, so, did what else regarding the recap for 2023 do we have to discuss? Um, legislatively, do you want to just, just give a high level view of what was passed? If I can remember, um, high level. You got that guy banging the symbols in your head. Right. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and if not, I know we're planning on having the ledge guys as well, so we can, sure. we can cover yeah, it at that, that point. Or do you want to talk about, we want to move into 24 and what you're into? I don't know if they, I just wanted to clear up 23. Just, yeah, something. some high level stuff just off the top of my head. I know that um, we added PETA. Uh, we added a, if there is a declared emergency at the local, state, or federal level that you wrote, actually. Well, I will never say, but I think it's a great story how that came together, that the language. Illness. The illness. Right, because PETA just says injury. Correct. Um, and then we had to add COVID during the COVID years. Um, and then we just expanded that and said any illness that is created, be, or if a, a declared emergent state of emergency at the local, state, or federal level um, is is provided because of an illness and our members contract it, then you automatically you qualify for, but for the, PETA. But the time, date, and location where we brainstormed that is fantastic, <laughs> if you recall. That's the best. <laughs> that was great. Um, Phenomenal. Yeah, the the time, date, and location of where we brainstormed that, it was great. It's all I'll say. Mm-hmm. All right. So there you uh, go. Paseba, we, uh, anybody that goes out on Paseba uh, is qualifies for any health insurance plan that any city employee currently has, as opposed to um, the city creating some high deductible uh, major medical insurance. You get to kind of choose from the plans that are available. In your local government. Correct. Um, We created the task force. And then another big one that, Jerry, you uh, assisted, it originally started as a local two bill. Um, And then uh, Tony Schneider. Yes. Uh, thought it would EMS actually, yeah, guru would would uh, affect the entire state, and that was a that was a struggle. Um, we didn't get exactly everything we wanted, but um, nonetheless, it was successful. Uh, the concurrent, and maybe you can talk about it better, but um, the discipline has been so it's all concurrent. I think the two biggest components of it, I was uh, now is pretty honored to help out with this because you what these medics deal with um, is pretty remarkable in terms of run numbers and what they are doing and you know you read I'm speaking from a spoiled point of view because I didn't have to do EMS in my career and then you look at the regional hospitals policies and procedures and it's 9,000 pages and this 26 year old kid's responsible for this right so I think it was the uh, the uh, concurrent versus consecutive discipline Right. So that was the one component of it. So if your license is suspended for X number of days and your discipline with your department is X number of days, it runs concurrent and not consecutive, uh, et cetera, for those few instances uh, in which uh, someone's license is properly uh, suspended. Um, and I think the other one is the uh, representation uh, mm-hmm. in the room uh, component as well. I think those were the two big pillars that I took away from it. Um, right. That, again, you know, look, perfect is the enemy of good. Um, I don't, you know, if you could magically craft a bill, uh, I'm sure we could, right? But the other component of it is that just to have that representation in the room when the uh, regional director wants to speak to you regarding this issue, because it does spill over, right? I mean, if, if you are in front of the regional director and there's a determination of what they're going to do with your license, uh, if anybody tells me that that's not a form of discipline or that's not going to lead over to a form of discipline with your department, 
than, you know, you're kidnapped by aliens at the mist, right? So um, that ability to have just a friendly face in there and that representation, I think also is is pretty meaningful. And kudos to the the state EMS and also truly to, to local too, who, who was pretty passionate about that uh, in terms of representation because of some things that were happening on their end. Um, so yeah, that was a great bill and hopefully something that can be built upon in future legislative mm-hmm. sessions. Right? It also adds a, a labor representative to the regional advisory EMS count uh, committee as well. So there's 11 regions in the in the state, and um, it goes into effect January 1. So we're going to uh, appoint uh, a labor representative. They meet four times a year. I'm not quite sure what all they do at the regional advisory magic. committee. It's but, magic. They advise. In addition to during your discipline, you are now allowed a, a labor representative. Correct. And then also... The term silver spanner is now in state statute. So if, uh, no. if for example, Cicero is doing a silver spanner for up to two weeks, uh, if you're not already in that system, you can start working there for up to two weeks and, and then test in if the test is available. Yeah. So there's, again, some some major accomplishments. It wasn't what we exactly what everything we wanted. It was better but, than a sharp stick right. in the eye, though, right. to, be able to, to be able to have that because sure. – um, you know, I don't know, man. Those medics are pretty impressive. What they do, it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, but speaking of, by the way, this was a hell of a year, 2023, for Silver Spanner. Uh-huh. It was really good. Uh, Blue Island, uh, North Riverside, uh, Palos finished up. I'm trying to think of who else. Cicero, I think, finished Forest up. Park. I'm talking about all of 2023. Yeah, Forest Park. Forest, Forest Park. Park. Um, there were some, I mean, definitely like central or metro east. I mean, I thought there was some, there's been, there's actually been so many that I'm trying to go through and think of how many, um, yeah. which is a testament to well, our guys taking over the ambulance. There's a bunch like looking at it, like Springfield's a major one right? that's uh, looking at uh, taking over transport and stuff. So um, yeah, big, big movement on that stuff as well around the state. It's awesome. It does, it warms my heart. So anytime I hear the term silver spanner, I, I, I'm happy. I smile. Couple other just recap things real quick. Luke, you might already mentioned it. The Honor Guard conventions. Oh, that's future. That's yeah, future. I was going to start talking about. Okay. Yeah. Do we want to? Well, I'll do that at the end. We yeah. can new, get next uh, year's. We got new Nicole. Uh, new Sue, Nicole. Sue retired November third. Uh, Nicole has been there since September, so she got about sixty days to spend with Sue, and um, she's working extremely hard. There's a a number of things that. Uh, Quite frankly, even the the executive board, including myself, doesn't know uh, that Sue just you know took care of. Yeah, um, she was like a magic. So, little- sure, sure. Um, so if you call or email, um, just be patient with her for the first three or four months. But she's she's hit the ground running. What is and, Sue doing? She's on a beach somewhere now, or what's the? Uh, the last time we talked to her, she was sitting on the porch eating Halloween candy. Damn so, right, good yeah. for her. Uh, and then lastly, this is like real time. Tomorrow is the last day to buy tickets. We, uh, as you know, we have that partnership with the Muscular Dystrophy Association. And then on December 1st at the Asher Firefighter Appreciation Party. That's right. We are drawing uh, the raffle ticket to win that three-foot lighted AFFI sign. If you haven't seen it, go to our website. You can purchase tickets on our website. Uh, it's on our social media platforms. I think we're at about $5,500 right now. So you have about 24 hours. I don't know when this is going to air. November probably, 30th. Probably after the... Probably uh, after November the, 30th was the cutoff. We'll do another one next year. Okay. Right. There you go. We appreciate you. Mm-hmm. So rolling, uh, rolling Yeah, it's going to 2024. 24. Actually, you know what? Before I go there, I want to mention a couple other little pieces we've you talk about silver spanner and we talked about some of the history stuff. Mm. So we were fortunate enough over the past six months to have a display at the Abraham Lincoln museum in Springfield, a labor history display on the fiery struggle uh, that previously just came down, but it's going to supposedly be in the IFF magazine coming up. But uh, our labor history is always a committee is always available for uh, your local to do a presentation, educator members uh, where we've been. And, you know, so we, you know, why we have what we have and the benefits we've talked about uh, on the show here. And then another cool part, what we were able to do, Matt Hill, who is the chairman of our labor history committee, we were able to uh, go to Maytuan, West Virginia, uh, where the mine wars were. And they had a, a labor conference there with all kinds of different unions and in, in, in attendance. 
And we were able to talk about the different things that we've been able to do in the AFFI on educating our members on their history. So the fiery struggle books out there, the committee does the presentations. Um, we've had outreach on the podcast. We've had a show with Dave Foreman and things like that. Uh, Bob Bruno was on a previous episode to uh, talk about labor history. We do our, whoops. <laughs> minor, Luke my, has fallen off minor, of his chair uh, and is laying like a turtle on his Again, <laughs> my head. Right. Um, and we are uh, our new member conference, you know, and, and able to provide that education to our members on our history, which is truly important. But uh, we're honored to go out to the Mine Wars Museum and speak at that conference. Uh, and it was a very cool experience. That's just another chapter in labor history that our members should look into. Uh, I think our members, if I may, I think Pullman is amazing. You ever gone to Pullman? Everybody, like, it should be required. Like, that place is unbelievable. And also, for our friends in central and southern Illinois, or if you're driving on through the Mother Jones Memorial in Mount Olive, yep. those are two places in the state, like, he, like in, in terms of, like, or, like, Haymarket in the city, these are, like, shrines to labor nationwide, right? Like, you have three areas in our state alone that are probably in the top 10 in terms of labor history in this, in the nation. So yeah, totally agree. Stuff. And it's all, it's all stuff that we're a chapter in our history and, and got us to where we're at today. Right. Yeah. Um, Mother Jones, which was awesome when we were in Maytown there, the, she walked those streets, uh, got to see the jail that she was in, Yeah, she's you know, amazing. saw the church that she rallied the miners at, um, ended up being the battle Blair mountain there. Um, so that's some history our members can look up and, and learn more about. But again, we were honored to travel there and speak at that conference. So getting into next year, we already have a bunch of our events uh, lined up and just want to throw them out there for everybody listening. The Honor Guard Convention is the first thing up in uh, January 19th, 20th. It's in Peoria. And they're already taking registration for that. Uh, they can see it on our website or through our social media platforms. If I go down there for that, I don't know if I can, but I'll go on the Mechanical Bull again. Remember that bar that was in the oh, yeah. alley and there's the Mechanical Bull? Good times. I'll do it. Good I don't times. care. Yeah. That was a cool place. <laughs> uh, IFF Alts, I mentioned it earlier, is in Orlando, Florida. Registration is now open for that as well. It'll be January 25th through 28th. And then uh, we're putting together an educational seminar. Uh, it will be in Oak Lawn, February 27th and 28th. I anticipate registration for that opening up by right after the first of the year. And we're in the stages of planning that conference. Yeah. So it, it'll be like an Illinois mini alts uh, uh, along that kind of uh, line. You know, we're going to have stewards training. We're going to have discipline training. We're going to have uh, arbitration, contract yeah. negotiations, everything along those lines. Uh, we also plan on having a big session on cannabis. Uh, we've talked about that on previous episodes as well. So we're going to bring in some experts on that as well because it's obviously a growing topic in, in most of the locals. Um, our legislative conference, coincidentally, we had to move it. Um, so all of you that were at the district meetings or uh, heard us talk about it before. Originally, Completely we, wrong. Yes. <laughs> we were scheduled for April. Um okay. But uh, there's some scheduling changes within the state legislature. So we actually moved it, and we just finalized that deal in the last couple of days. Uh, it's going to be May 20th, 21st, and 22nd now in Springfield. Oh, wow. It's getting pushed back to it'll be nice weather. Yes. And then our AFFI convention, our biennial convention, will be in Naperville uh, June 27th through 29th. Uh, probably about March, end of March, I believe, beginning April, registration will start for that. And then looking forward to the fall, uh, I've already booked our new member conference and new officer training will be September 11th and 12th in Springfield. And registration for that will come out probably early summer. So we're already lining up everything for 2024. And uh, we had a great year this year, uh, a lot of great events and just keeping it moving forward. So the new member conference will be like a Wednesday, Thursday, September 11th and 12th? Yeah, right? I believe that's the correct days. Cool. I can look on that. Thing, like I looked up of the uh, that was it, podcast. It was just totally insane. Again, it's hard to remember all these things. Yeah, so Wednesday, Thursday. Ooh, that'll be nice. Yep. Oh, I can go down there Wednesday night and wake up Thursday. Tired. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm sure everybody listening wants to see that. Oh, it's a sight to see. It's like Omaha Beach. 
So there you go. Anything else regarding 2024 that might be? Uh, when does the uh, legislature come back into session? Uh, they're in one week in January, and then uh, most of February, March, April, May. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And we have our district meetings. We'll be in there. Um, yeah, we're gonna get those scheduled. Yeah, it'll get just like our we talked. It'll executive get busy board again. meetings. Um, yeah, state and provincial. Then, yeah, there's plenty going on. It's yeah. never ending. Yeah. No, and then just the number of different boards that we're on. You know. We have a member at, whether it's the Illinois AFL-CIO, the Illinois Fire Service Alliance, uh, right. you can go to on and on and on. Do you send Kurt Snow to the ones that someone needs to be threatened at? Is that what you just... Straight out of street. <laughs> he shows he shows up with his fork and knife and just sits there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if there's anything do I Do I want to know how this even started? I don't, I don't know either. How it started is I like saw Jeffrey him eating Dahmer. someone. That's how it started. <laughs> he thinks he looks like Jeffrey Dahmer. He, uh, but look at he, like, he looks like a serial killer. He acts like a serial. He that dude is a serial killer. There's no doubt about it. I'm sorry. We are all going to be in a Netflix special one day. I want like Brad Pitt to play me in the Netflix special <laughs> because you will be one of the victims. <laughs> oh, like yes. <laughs> I'll be his last victim because I'm so tubby. It'll take days for him to eat me, and then he'll have gastrointestinal problems, and mm. that's how he's caught. Uh, mm. Mm. Poor Kurt. Yeah. Well, I that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, so I don't know if we're going to record one before Christmas and New Year's, but I have to tell you, it's always like a special place for me because uh, – uh, just very appreciative of the people who work on the 24th and 25th and the 31st so that everybody can be home with their families. So Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and be safe out there. And, and I hope you do nothing on those days. I hope the tones never go off, but they always do. But um, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Same. Same. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, everybody. Talk to you soon. See you.